Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelk. He is Paul Dottino. The phone number is 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. It's all brought to you by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, Made to Chill. Paul and I are off to the Combine next Monday. It's come fast and furious. The offseason always goes very quickly, Paul. So... <laughs> Me and Fiegels a couple days ago kind of went through the mechanics of the combine, what teams are looking for, why it's important. So I don't want to go down that road again. We kind of talked about, you know, the interviews, the medicals, what some of the numbers mean. It's kind of a cross-check thing. It's not more important than tape, but it complements what you already learned during the season, right? Mm -hmm. Great. Let's talk specifically about the type of players and, and things we'll be looking at in terms of positions while we're out there. And I think that's kind of a good place to start today. Lance and Jeff will be on tomorrow, and then we'll have a recorded show on Monday. So, look, the Giants are selecting fourth overall. They got three teams picking ahead of them. So a big part of this, Paul, is us trying to figure out who will be available when the Giants select. That's going to be number one. Now, I think we have a pretty good feel for a couple of the players that'll probably be gone. The Joe Burrow-Bengal thing seems to be a bit of a controversy or question mark at this point, however you want to look at it. Is <laughs> he, he going to be match onto that, didn't he? <laughs> is he going to be good to go there or not? I don't know. We'll see. Oh. Nothing to worry about. And so that bottom line, whether it's the Bengals or somebody else, Joe Burrow's not going to be there, okay? Right. I think we also feel fairly confident, unless three quarterbacks go ahead of the Giants, that Chase Young is not going to get there to number four. And Lance and I talked about that yesterday. There's certainly a plausible scenario. Plausible, but unlikely. That could happen where he does drop to four, but I'd say the odds are against it, but I wouldn't rule it out. Fair enough. So, we're looking at that next group of players, um that are potential selections for the Giants then. And I think the guys we're going to be talking about a lot next week are Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State, who may or may not be there. He might be off the board too, depending on what the Lions do. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, linebacker out of Clemson, is someone we've talked about on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. You have that group of offensive tackles, who is kind of a chef's choice around the NFL, who people like better. From what I could tell, I think Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton have kind of maybe separate themselves a little bit above Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas, but I've talked to different people. They think different things. And to me, that's the group of guys that we'll be looking at at number four. Maybe other people will introduce themselves um, into that group. I think uh, Derek Brown from Auburn, if it wasn't the Giants picking a four, who have a plethora of defensive tackles, another team could consider someone like him. But uh, mm-hmm. do you think I'm missing anybody, Paul, that you think will be a, no. a big piece of the conversation at number four? You know, there continue to be some outliers amongst these early mock drafts who want to project a receiver like Judy to the Giants. I've seen that a couple of times over the last month or so. Quite frankly, I don't see it. I don't think that's part of the conversation. But again, you're talking about 500,000 people in, in the United States that do mock drafts. And mock draft you know, 10.5 already is out there, you know, for, for all these. And, and there are some people who continue to insist that the Giants might actually take a wide receiver there. That's right. We, I should have talked about them. You're right. I'm just, I'm just not, I'm just not having that conversation. I, I can't see it. Um, and maybe that's nearsighted or forced. I guess nearsighted would be the right term. But for me, I just don't see that on the menu. 
Yeah, I'd be surprised by that, too. The two wide receivers that people generally Judy have particular. at the top of the board, Jerry Judy. Other people like CeeDee Lamb a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Now, they're different types of wide receivers. Judy's your smaller, faster, better route runner. Lamb's a little bit bigger, um, more of an outside guy, though Judy can certainly play outside, too. Um, so those are the other two guys that are in the mix. And then the other piece of the conversation is going to be, Paul, whether or not there could be a potential trade, which is something we will keep an eye on. And it's going to be way too early. Nothing's going to happen that early in the process. But a ton of that's going to have to do with what happens ahead of the Giants. We already mentioned some of that. But is a team going to fall in love with a second quarterback that's going to make them want to trade up? And I was, I've was i been thinking about this this week. And I know a lot of people think, oh, if the Giants want to trade down, it'll be pretty easy. I think it's going to be harder than people think. And here's why. If a team wants to move up, and guarantee themselves that second quarterback, whether it's you know Burrow or, or Tua, whoever it ends up being at three. They're going to want to trade with the Lions before they want to trade with the Giants. So we don't know if that Lions pick is going to be for sale or not. We don't know what they're thinking. So we're just going in, in theory here. Because if a team makes the first move and they trade up with the Giants at four, another team could still theoretically jump them and get to three to take the quarterback they're looking for. So the Lions will probably be, at least in my opinion, the first phone call a lot of teams are going to make. You want to get as high as you can to guarantee yourself or get as close to guaranteeing yourself as possible the player that you want. So the Lions are going to be that first call. Now, we don't know if that pick's for sale. We don't know if they want to move the pick. And we also don't know if there's a third quarterback that a team covets enough where two teams would want to move up to grab a, a Love, a, a Herbert, whoever you're talking about as that next quarterback on the list, whoever that team might happen to like. So that's how I'm kind of looking at the trade dance scenario now as we evaluate this stuff heading into the combine. Yeah, I'm going to put that in the possible category, not in the probable category. And the reason that I would somewhat disagree with you to the degree that you have placed it is because I don't think the Lions pick is for sale. Now, they may get the call before the Giants get the call. Why don't you think their pick is for sale? I think that Matt Patricia considers himself very fortunate to have another season there. It seemed as though there was a lot of tension and a lot of uh, issues coming out of Detroit at the end of last season. And there were even questions about would he survive another year. Mm-hmm. They decided in, in Lionsville that they would keep that staff intact yes. and give them another season. For that reason... I think Patricia's thinking to himself, he's got to get an impact guy at number three, and I think he will be very reluctant uh, for that front office to move down. Um, but would they get a call before the Giants? Yeah, the, the, the first two calls on the list are going to be Lions and Giants. Well, theoretically Redskins, but I think people don't think they're going to want to move there. Well, and here's the thing. You know that they've got Haskins. So they're not taking a quarterback for sure. Correct. You've indicated to me that Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network said Stafford may be on shaky ground. That seems to be quieting. I think the Lions actually released a statement or Bob Quinn went on somewhere and said that's not going to happen. Okay, I did not see that. I I believe that that's going to happen the last couple of days. And by the way, if you look at Stafford's contract, it's almost impossible for them to move him. (sighs) It's tremendous amount of money. Yes. So, you know, I never thought much of that, but Jeremiah's got a good rap. No, he does. So I'm I'm not going to discount what he said. Having said that, I believe that it's going to be the Lions position that you're going to have to give them three keys to Fort Knox. 
to move that pick. I think they want to take it. I think they have to take it. I think that Patricia and company want a guy who's immediately going to be an impact guy this year who can help turn things around for them. But what I don't if, think they trade the pick. But what if they think they can still get that player at six or seven? Uh, the level of impact that the kind of player that he'd be looking for, I think, takes a further drop. See, for the Giants, you're looking at an offensive tackle. I don't think the, the Lions, if you're the Giants, you're going offensive tackle potentially. I don't think the Lions are. No, I agree, but but look at it this Okuda's way. Okuda's not there at six or seven, if that's the guy they decide on, because Slay... He could be there at six. I Well, think about it. Think about it. Let, let's do the math. One, Burrow. Two, Chase Young. Three, Tua. Four to the Giants. You don't think they're taking Okuda, right? The Giants, no, yeah. I don't so, think so. There, there goes an offensive tackle at four. Right. So at five, Simmons and Okuda are still on the board. Yeah, I think Which means one of those two will be there at six. Okay. What if the Lions are happy with either one of those two players? Well, again, we're talking more ifs. Of course, we're talking ifs. Which but, is why I said to you I would right. put your scenario in the possible drawer, not the probable drawer. Because I don't think they're going to be anxious to move the pick. Yeah. I just don't. Again, I have no idea what their approach is. And by the way, we're going to have um, Jeff Risden, who does some – he covers the draft for Real GM. He's on with us every year. He also does Lions stuff. We're going to try mm. to get a little input from him oh, on the Lions. That's a good get, John. So, that's a good get. So we, so we will get a little insight on maybe what they're thinking uh, with that draft We pick. should get somebody who's got some Redskin connections, too, to find out what they're doing. I might be able to do that, though I think it'll probably be a lot of – well, that's the problem with them. they got a new front office. So I'm not sure yeah. how much insight anybody's going to have as to what that group's thinking. You know what I mean? I, I honestly don't think it's automatic that they take Chase Young. Well, so here's I just what, don't. Here's what we got to make sure we do. When, when, when we are there on Tuesday and all the NFL coaches and general managers are meeting the media, we got to make sure we're there when the Redskins and the Lions do their stuff. We will be there bright and early. And by the way, we should also keep an eye on the Dolphins and the Chargers and the Panthers and <laughs> other teams straight. that might want to trade up. Straight. So just stuff to keep an eye on. <laughs> by the way, I apologize for starting a little bit late today. That was on me. Uh, we were recording an interview for the Giants Huddle podcast, and we got on a little bit late, so we had to go on into the 12 o'clock hour. That Giant Huddle podcast, by the way, this week, it'll post up later today or tomorrow. It'll have Lance Zierlein, who does all the... Uh, player capsules for NFL.com. You can find them on Move the Sticks. You can find them mm-hmm. on NFL Network. Also, if you're in Houston, he does after he does Morning Drive on ESPN Radio down there. I didn't know that. Yeah, he does so much stuff. He really he was great too. And then we're gonna have Dan Shanka, who will give more of a former NFL personnel guy perspective. So it'll be a double combine preview from those two guys on the Giants Huddle podcast uh, this week. For now, we'll take your calls at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. But Paul, our focus will only be on the first round pick next week we always like to try to figure out and it's not fair to pinpoint a player because it's so early to talk about that sort of stuff right but i like to try to figure out where you're going to have some good depth and some good value when you get to that top of the second round lance out with lance line who i just spoke to as i mentioned he thought defensive back might be a position where you can find somebody of pretty good value at the top there we'll see about offensive tackle if a run happens on offensive tackles early on in that first round which I could see all four of those guys being gone before pick 15. Would not surprise me. And if that's the case, when do the Austin Jacksons and the Josh Joneses and the Prince Tegawanohos, who, by the way, will not participate at the Combine after also missing the Senior Bowl, that, that mm-hmm. kind of stinks. So that's kind of the next group. Are those guys even going to be there when the Giants get to the fourth pick in the second round? So are you really putting yourself at risk 
if you don't make that pick at offensive tackle at four? Well, you certainly could be. I think a lot of people believe that after Young, there's a deep drop in pass rushers too. So, you you know. Yeah, it is. No you question. know, when you look at the Giants' supposed needs, obviously pass rush, obviously improve the offensive line, and obviously uh, linebacker, they'd like to do something there. I mean, it, it seems to reason. They'd like to do something at linebacker. Uh, whether or not it's the edge rusher or the rusher comes from the D line and the and the uh, the linebacker is a, is a second priority because they get the D lineman to be the rusher. I don't know, but you think based on what we know today, and we'll know a lot more next week, that the offensive line crop should be deep enough that there'd be at least an outside chance they might get one early second if they want to. Outside Maybe. chance. Outside chance. Sure. Outside chance. Don't think the edge rusher, a real quality edge rusher, early second round doesn't look likely. Yeah, I mean, look, um, doesn't Clavon Chase on the kid from LSU? But I think many people think he's a first round guy. Uh, one guy that's interesting, and I do not believe he will get to the Giants at the top of the second round, but he's worth keeping an eye on the the Gross Matos kid from mm-hmm. Penn State, mm-hmm. and obviously the Giants have a connection there now. Yeah. With yep. their defensive line coach, who was sure a defensive line coach at Penn State. I don't think he's going to get there at the top of the second round. If he does, I think that's a real conversation as an edge rusher that we would have to have, depending on what the Giants do in the first round. Because, obviously, they'll have a lot of intel. They'll know a lot about the kid, the guy that coached him There's when no he doubt. was at Penn State. No doubt. So, I think that's interesting. And I wonder if some of those second-tier linebackers, you know, might be interesting at the top of the second round. Like the Akeem Davis-Gaither from um, Appalachian State, uh, Murray from Oklahoma State, will Queen from LSU get there to the top of the second round? Somebody a lot of people really like. So I, I think it's interesting. I really think it's up in the air. And I, 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 I'm, look, that's what I liked about the combine the most. It's you know We can talk about the top of the draft. You're picking fourth. It's kind of easy. It's not hard. When you start trying to figure out where the value is going to be in the depth of these positions later mm-hmm. on in the draft. And we've mm-hmm. talked about receiver as a sweet spot and the three top of four. You know, that's what's fun, trying to figure out exactly how this is going to go. Well, one of the, the other Giants' thin spots, we believe, is wide receiver. And this should be able to get one, as we know. There's supposed to be three really, really good rounds of wide receivers in this draft. Yeah, if not more. So, yeah, so for me, for me... I'm saying to myself, okay, if you want to address either the pass rusher or the offensive line, you're going to have to do that right away. Or secondary, for that matter. Second, Yeah, I mean, I I tend to put a little more stock in this secondary and its own growth from within yeah, than other I, people I, do. Yeah, but I don't know how you can feel more comfortable about the secondary than the wide receiver core. I do. I do. How? I do. because The wide I, receivers are good. Oh, yeah, but there's no skyscraper. Okay, that's fine, but they're still they're, good. They're, they're miss- yeah, but they're missing a component. I need, uh, for me, if I were coaching the team, I would need a skyscraper at okay. wide receiver. Well, well, I need a Burris type. Well, but, but then who's not playing? It doesn't matter because you're No, no, it ha- does. So you have to bench one of those three guys. Are you benching Tate, Shepard, or Slayton? That's okay. Because somebody's not going to be healthy the whole season. We know that. That's just the way it is in this league. 
Guys are going to miss time for injury, and there are going to be times when you actually will go for a wide. It does happen. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, and I need a skyscraper, because the skyscraper <laughs> is a situational... Sp- you got to understand something, John. The skyscraper for me is not an every-down player. Oh, okay. He's a situational player. Oh, you want to use him in the red zone? I want to use him in the red zone. I want to use him in a key spot when I know I've got a good matchup against another team where when I go to the extra package and I'm going to throw the ball All right, in a big that's spot, fair, then. If you he's going to get that third and ten. If you want to use him as a bit complimentary player, that's fine. And then I definitely wouldn't use a high pick on him then if that's the rule. Well, that's why for, I'm right. I'm saying to myself, if I can get a six foot three, six foot four wide receiver in the third round who's going to be a key rotational player in key spots for me in matchup situations... I'm loving that. And it sounds like I'm going to be able to get one of those. Yeah, I think so. So I'm happy about that. I think the shelf is it's got people on it. But the other spots, if you don't get them early, there's a chance you may not get to them. Yeah, it's hard. It's absolutely hard. All right. Um, just to talk about some of the stuff we'll do next week, we are going to try to take some more calls over the course of the week than we have in a couple years past. We'll squeeze in rapid-fire stuff, you know, quick question, quick answer. We'll get you in and out in between the guests. We'll be able to play back some of the media availabilities we'll have there from the draft prospects, mm-hmm. which will be a lot of fun. That'll be good. Um, we'll have media availabilities and maybe more from Dave Gellman and Joe Judge. That'll be on Tuesday. Uh, we're live on Tuesday 1-3. to 3. Wednesday through Friday we'll be live 12-2. to 2. So make sure you check out our shows next week. And we'll have a lot of our normal guests. Uh, a lot of guys are confirmed already. Dane Brugler's coming on. Matt Miller's coming on. Tony Pauline's coming on. Uh, Pete Prisco's coming on. Joe Corey's coming on. Uh, Rick Saratella's coming on. Charles Davis is coming on. I'm working on guys like Charlie Weiss, who's out there for NFL Network, trying to get him. Uh, working on Charles Robinson from Yahoo to talk some free agency. Greg Cosell from NFL Films is coming on. Uh, a lot of our guys from the Draft Network. So uh, Charlie Campbell, who'll be a new guest from Walter Football, he'll be on. I mentioned Jeff Risden, a uh, bunch of giant beat guys, uh, Paul Schwartz, Art Stapleton, Tom Rock, Bob Glauber. Uh, we'll have one of those guys each day as well. So it'll be a great week, four two-hour shows, Tuesday again, 1 to 3, Wednesday through Friday, 12 to 2. Indianapolis is Eastern time, by the way, so they'll sync up. And uh, make sure you check it out over the course of the week next week as Paul and I head back out to the combine and try to get you as much good draft preview information as we possibly can. Yeah, so move your lunch hours, okay? (laughs) Move your lunch hours from 12 to 1 so that you can enjoy that stuff with us. Absolutely. Again, 1 to 3 on Tuesday, and that's because of Dave Gettleman and Joe Judge media availability. They're basically going up until... 1231 so we didn't yeah. want to miss any of that we've got to make and sure we get it and we want to try to turn it around for the show at one o'clock so yeah. that's why we back that show up the other days though players meet the media from 8 to 11 every morning so we wanted to give a chance to turn that stuff around which is why we're going from 12 to 2 on wednesday through right. friday and i don't know i'll speak for myself these are my favorite shows of the year they're great uh, i've been working my butt on them all week long we should have a really good lineup of guests throughout the week. And again, we'll take your calls and your tweets as well. Uh, Madeline Burke will be doing some short little insiders we'll throw to over the course of the show as well. So make sure you check it out. We'll be in the Combine next week. And for preview of the Combine, the John Settle Podcast will be out uh, at some point tomorrow uh, with Lance Zierlein and Dan Shanka. Make sure you check that out on its own podcast feed. Just search for the Giants Huddle Podcast. As for Big Blue Kickoff Live, it's brought to you by Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. We have busy phone lines as always. My guys are the best. 201-939-4513. Let's lead it off as I try to bring up my call sheet here unsuccessfully as I continue to vamp in the least professional way possible. And we are going to go to, let's see, 
Here we go. Now we're there. I know. I'm a pro, folks. No I one's better than me. I should have brought this up for you. Well, yeah. But yes, yeah. my fault. Thanks for helping. I'm, I'm too busy <laughs> listening to you, you know? Yeah, no, Jeff and you Because I want to figure out the schedule so I know where to be there. Jeff, it's my fault. I should have had it up before the show. I was too busy running around. Jeff in New Hampshire will lead us off today. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Hi. Colin from well, Jeff. Thank you for holding on. Not a problem. Hey, so I kind of wanted to start with free agency before I got into the draft. Sure. Uh, I think the way I'm looking at it is a little different than what I hear from most people. I think the most common thing we hear is let's go after Conklin or let's go after Ngakwe or one of the pass rushers. Um, I'm more interested in getting a veteran corner, like especially if he becomes available, Byron Jones, I think for a couple of reasons. Um, pricey, you know. An- that's pricey. Yeah, just, just before you go anywhere else, that's pricey. He, he will probably be the most expensive cornerback on the market. He's a really good Absolutely. player. Absolutely. If, if we're going to, you know, I hear some people that want Ngakwe, I think they're going to cost the same. So if I got to yeah, $17 million on one of them, I'm taking the corner over Ngakwe. I'm probably in the minority with that. But I think I know a little bit more what I'm getting. I know I'm getting a veteran in the secondary where we have all youth. We've got three second-year corners, four if you consider Beal, who basically redshirted that first year when he was hurt. So now I get a veteran corner, a guy that's got – um, versatility. He's played safety for Dallas. He can cover tight ends. He can cover the middle of the field. And I think he could help all the young corners that we have. Whereas in Gokwe, there's question marks. You know, we wonder how good is he really? Um, is he a product of how good the team was he played with in Jacksonville? Mm-hmm. Or can he stand up on his own and be the 15-sack guy? I don't know. Now, Jeff, but honestly, I, I, just in my opinion, I think I think we both I think we know both players are, are pretty good. But I think to your point, I think the question is, which guy will give you more value and, and help your team win more games? And, and I think you made a great case for Byron Jones, and I'm not going to talk about a specific player, but I think you can also maybe try to find somebody that can play the slot. Jones is not a slot guy. He's an outside cornerback. I know we've covered tight ends in the past, but he's never covered wide receivers in the slot. And I do think the Giants right now are devoid of players that you have confidence, you can put him in the slot, let him play a man, and let him go. And that's a starting position now. So if I'm looking at a veteran corner, I'm going to try to find somebody that has some slot experience. Now, you can do that in addition to Jones, but I do think it's important to bring a slot in here that has some experience that can do it, especially if you're going to leave Julian Love at safety. That's kind of my plan, too. It would be, it doesn't have to be Jones. I mean, if Chris Harris is available, he's not going to be as expensive as Jones. He's older. I like Jones. I think he's more in his prime years, whereas Harris, I think, is towards the end of his career. Yeah, that's true. So I prefer Jones. But if you get me Harris for a little bit cheaper, and then we can go get that veteran slot corner that's still not going to break the bank. We're not going on a 2016 spending spree. We can get that slot corner as well. And then, like you just said, we can leave Love at safety. Now we got a couple of vets back there, plus Peppers coming back, and then all our young corners that, I mean, regardless of young corners have to develop and play better anyway. Yeah. The other reason, you know, you know, we see a lot of teams try to build from the back to the front, Seattle, New England, whatever. You know, obviously adding this isn't going to make us the Legion of Boom secondary, but it's going to improve our secondary, which could potentially help the front seven. Um, you got, you're kind of counting on a new coaching staff developing guys like Carter, Hill. You know, we have, there's more we can get out of those guys. You can manufacture a pass rush a little easier than you can manufacture good secondary play, I think. And I think we can get, like you guys were just talking about, maybe a second-round pass rusher that's not going to be super elite but could help. So if you have six or seven guys that can get after the quarterback, you know, maybe you have seven guys that get five, six sacks as opposed to having one guy that gets your 15 sacks, that can be a pass rush like we've seen New England do without having those elite edge rushers. 
So that, that might be one way to attack the defense without having to break the bank on that one player that you, you're not guaranteed is going to be the superstar anyway. No, Jeff, I think that's fair. Um, and I think when you look at New England, just one thing to keep in mind, they're able to get pressure on the quarterback because their secondary is so good and they can send five guys. And that's what New England did right. as much as anyone last year. They wouldn't right. send four. They would send five an awful lot. I would be okay with getting a coverage linebacker, too. I mean, if, if, we, if our high-priced free agent happens to be a coverage linebacker, I don't know how much Littleton's going to run in the market. I have no idea. But a, a guy like that, um, basically what I'm getting at, I, I'd, I'd like to see us devote most of our resources and free agency to the defense because I really want that offensive tackle in the first round. Mm-hmm. And for a guy like me, it's really hard. I'm a defense guy. I've been wanting a defensive impact playmaker forever. Um, I've wanted a linebacker since Jesse Armstead. I mean, I really love this Simmons kid. But you guys talk about it in this show, and I don't think it gets said enough. These stud tackles, they just don't come out anymore. Every year in the draft, we're talking about a stud pass rusher. We're talking about a stud coverage linebacker. You're not talking about top-tier offensive tackles every year. It's fewer and fewer, so the chances to get them are fewer and fewer. And you guys mentioned on the show a while ago, and it's dead on, once a team gets one, they don't let them go. You're never getting an elite tackle in free agency. You're never. Never. No. You, you got a better no. chance of getting a quarterback in free agency than you do an offensive <laughs> it's tackle. It's really crazy. And by, by the way, there are often top cornerbacks that do still hit the market in that free agency true. too, but never offensive tackles. Look, you have to draft them. And I was joking, and I'm sure if yep. you're listening, Jeff, I was joking with Fiegels on, on Tuesday, Paul, and... Wouldn't, how nice would it be to just be able to plug in your own version of Tyron Smith and say, all right, we're set. You realize, doesn't yeah. it feel like Tyron Smith's been starting an offensive tackle for the Cowboys for like 20 years? He's only, yep. he's only 29 years old. I yep. said, I said it's to crazy. Lynn, Lynn called up yesterday, and I said, look, if you could just plug in Forrest Gregg for the next decade at right tackle, wouldn't you do it? And by the way, even if, <laughs> I mean, and by the way, even if you don't get that <laughs> Hall of Fame level offensive uh, tackle, which obviously you don't know if any of these guys are going to be no, Hall of Famers. You no, don't. And no. Tyron Smith's going to be a Hall of Fame player. He just is. That's how good he is. He's made a bunch of all-pro teams. You don't know if he's going to be that. But if you get a guy that's going to make over his 10, 11-year career Four or five Pro Bowls at left tackle. Yeah, where do I sign? You know, you make if the we point get the about the cor- version of Chris Snee. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's us. nothing wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Look, here, here's the thing. With a running back like Barkley, if we draft a resource that high on Barkley, give me that run blocking offensive tackle that's worth every penny. And by the way, he also helps the guy you picked as your franchise quarterback last year too. Yeah, that's the other reason you have to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I just got a quick question yeah. on the tackles. Yeah. I got. If, if maybe you can look at it in the. Uh, when you're at the combine and see what you find out. So I tried to follow college football a little bit more this year. And back in September, October, even into November, Andrew Thomas was like, lock him in, top five pick, number one tackle. Correct. Everybody's talking about him. Very true. But as the, se- as the season went on, and I started following some of these draft guys that you guys have on the show on combine, he was like the third, sometimes even the fourth tackle on yeah. people's boards. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, is it either because Wills and Wirfs and Beckton were that impressive? Or is there something wrong with Thomas's game that should have us a little nervous if we get him instead of one of those other guys? I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Good question, um, Jeff. We'll um, find it out. Yeah, appreciate the call. And from what I could tell, just kind of doing the same type of stuff that, that Jeff's done, Paul, is I think Wills has just played really well this year. And I think heading into the year, I think a lot of people thought Thomas was going to be the guy. But I think as the season went along, it appears as though Wills has improved his play, which is important, obviously. Makai Becton has shown traits 
that make you think elite tackle and what these guys do in their final college season is important. So uh, I think those guys simply improve their play and they improve their stock by playing well in their final college seasons. Yeah, I think the only thing that that I can say about the tackle spot going into the season, there was no question. Everybody was saying that it's going to be Thomas and then you fall off the cliff in terms of the offensive tackle prospects. That was the way that I had heard it from everybody who knew. And then now I've heard there could be as many as five offensive tackles in the first round. So I've heard as many as six, to so, be honest. Okay, well, yeah. five or six. We'll split hairs. The point is, a cluster of guys mm-hmm. decided to plow people over during <laughs> the 2019 season to the point where their stock, in my opinion, has risen to the point where now Thomas is just one of those guys in that cluster instead yeah. of separating himself from everybody else. I don't think... We'll find out more. He's right. we got to ask people at the combine. Oh, and we will. That'll be probably our most common question there. We need to find out if he fell back to the pack or the pack came up to him, which is what I think happened. I agree with you. I think that's what's happened too. And again, just listening to, to different people that do this, there seems to be varying opinions throughout the league. I don't think every team is going to have these offensive tackles all rated the same. I think you're going to have different teams have different guys ranked one through four, and maybe for one team, Wills is one and Thomas is four. For other teams, Worfs is one and Thomas is three and Wills is four. I think Mm -hmm. it's going to be very different from team to team depending on the type of player you're looking for, their skill set, because these guys are a little shaped differently too. Think about it. Wills was a right tackle at Alabama, which made sense. They had a lefty quarterback, right? So you want to put your guy on, on, on the blind side. So... But he was great at right tackle. Andrew Thomas, left tackle. Worfs, you know, great technique. Thomas has played both. Thomas, yeah, but he's been a starting left tackle for the yeah. last two years. That's correct. Worfs, some people think his arms might be a little short. Can mm-hmm. he doesn't have to move in the guard. I don't know. But Kai Beck did. Uh, Louisville did not run a pass-heavy offense right. where there was a lot of straight dropbacks. So he wasn't asked to do a lot of that straight dropback stuff, which might scare some people off. But he's also, you know, 6'7 and 360 pounds. Someone the other day I was listening to it compared to Flazelle Adams. For Giant fans should remember him, who played offensive tackle for the Cowboys for a long time, who, by the way, was it Strahan or O.C. that, or Tuck that hated Flazelle Adams? I think it was Tuck, Tuck, right? He couldn't stand him. Because the guy had such a wingspan, it was just impossible to get around him. He was just a mountain. And that was the comparison they made for Becton was Vazell Adams. So oh. <laughs> it all depends on the shape and the size of the type of guy you're looking and for. And do you think he can play right or left? Right, and does that matter anymore? I mean, these are all some things pe- you have to, to consider. To some people it does. Right. To others, it's like, no, they're interchangeable because pass rushers are flopping all the time. We talked about this yesterday with Lance a little bit on the show. Uh, I think the one point that I did want to follow up on yeah, please, uh, was you mentioned corners. Your premier corners tend to be salary cap cuts. And that's why they're more out there on the market than the the tackles are because teams believe they can go and replenish that spot a lot easier than they can the offensive tackle spot. So even though both command double-digit annual salaries and they are premium salary spots... And premium positions, they're very important. There's no question. We talk about that all the Mm -hmm. time. It's one of the four premium spots you got to have, the cover corner and and the, the protector on the edge. But because there appears to be a bigger quantity of replaceable guys that are coming out of the draft every year. Teams are more apt to make a salary cap cut at corner than they are 
at tackle. Yeah. They're going to hold on to their tackles. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, college is a pass-heavy game, right? So you're going to have a lot of cornerbacks that have to cover and do a lot of different things. You have all these great athletes at wide receiver. It's a lot easier. I mean, it's easier to find guys that can do those things that can do things at offensive tackle, where it's a very different game in college for what they're being asked to do in the pros. Anyway. 201-939-4513. Chris and Alamucci. He's up next. What's up, Chris? Hey, John. Hey, Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Hello. Appreciate it. Good to talk yeah. to you. Thanks for calling, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to next week. And, and I'm going to take a break from the draft talk and the uh, free agency tra- talk just to talk a little football strategy. Sure. I, I've been fixated on this whole full, fullback situation for the longest time, and I, and I truly <laughs> believe this will be the year the Giants will bring back a traditional, you know, Mauler type of fullback. I'd love um, it. And by going. the way, Chris, if you look at what the Patriots have done the last couple of years, <laughs> and if Joe Judge does ascribe to that philosophy, I think you're probably going to be right. <laughs> finally, finally, I may get what I want. We'll see. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. He's gone. Chris. Hello. Chris going once. Chris going twice. All right. Why don't we say goodbye to Chris Artemis, and if he calls back, we'll uh, put him right back up. All right? We lost Chris there for a second. Yeah, the the power run game is certainly something that Judge is familiar with from what the uh, the Pats, and some, quite frankly, if you notice this, John, your postseason teams over the last two years, more of them than not have had the power run game to call upon when they needed it. And it's a big deal. And I, I, I think Judge is an old school guy who's going to do it. Yeah, I think there's as good of a chance now as there has been since Tom Coughlin was here. Mm-hmm. Just think about it. If you go to West Coast, again, I don't want to pigeonhole McAdoo and Shermer's only West Coast offense guys. But if you look at West Coast offenses traditionally, unless you want to go back to Tom Rathman and with George Seifert and Bill Walsh, <laughs> there aren't that many teams that run West Coast offenses that employ fullbacks. You know, it's funny. Um, for many years, people would always criticize the Hitchcocks of the world. You know, Hanaski barely touched mm-hmm. the ball except to get some occasional passes out of the backfield. Uh, going back to even when Tiki Barber was here in uh, Super Bowl thirty-five, they had Greg Comella uh, was the, uh, the fullback, and he really didn't touch the ball at all except for occasional passes in the flat. So people sometimes will say, well, what's the point? Okay, the point is, those guys get unnoticed all the time, but man, do they get the dirty work done. Do they make all the plays that you need to make to help the big guys make the spectacular highlight plays? And then you have freak show fullbacks like Kyle Juszczyk from well, San Francisco who special. can lead block and then do all the receiving stuff too, which special. is fun. Right? He he's is cool. Special. He's yeah. a he's fun player. Yeah, you don't get many of those anymore. We do not. Chris is back from Alamucci. Chris, finish up your call, my friend. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Thanks, That's okay. So I'll make it quick. So, yeah, my question was, when the Giants are in, let's say, a, um, uh, a 21 personnel with the fullback and the halfback, mm-hmm. is it better served that Ingram is now in that going against that base defense when the Giants are in that 21 personnel, and now he's going to even have more of an opportunity with, with the linebackers in the game um, versus a nickel or dime? Do you see that almost being a, a win-win for the Giants where, hey, are we, are, you know, are, are we going to a base because we see the fullback? And I'm looking at it as a defensive uh, you know, point of view. Or is it, geez, I don't know what we're going to do because now Ingram has been, has been abusing the linebackers. So, so now the defense, are they now going to switch over even though they have the 21 personnel? Now they're gonna, they will put a, a, a nickel or a dime in there. Thanks, guys, for, the, uh, for bringing me back. Appreciate no, Chris, it. no problem. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right on the money. Well, I have a two-pronged answer to that. If you're going to go with the standard set and the I formation with the fullback and the halfback and Ingram's going to be lining up on the line, 
Now I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do with him? Are you going to ask him to come out off the line as an inline tight end and try to run a route? Or are you going to line him up as an H-back? Instead of lining him up as a traditional tight end in line, are you going to line him up as an H-back and then maybe give him the option to flare out or help pick up an edge guy? Or Well, I mean, if you already have a fullback in the backfield, I'm not, are you going to put another guy in the backfield as an H-back? You could, you, can, you, can. you could because you're trying to be deceptive. I suppose. You, you flare him out as right. an H-back, and mm-hmm. then you flare him. Now, the other thing, which would be very curious to do, and it depends on what you think about the offensive line, if they don't need any help, right, and you want to give a dual run-pass option look, what you then do is you have Ingram, when he breaks the huddle, and they think you're in your standard personnel set, now Ingram winds up, going to the slot and suddenly all of a sudden he's lining up as a slot receiver you got your standard five men up front and you got your fullback in the backfield now because of the substitutions that are going on on the defensive coordinator's side chances are he's got his standard d in there sure that's going to be a problem now for him because hey. now he's thinking about well now what am i going to do am i am i going to worry about the potential that ingram is going to run a route that's going to mismatch one of my linebackers, or is there even a chance that the Giants are just going to collapse him in and help him block on a run because you're going to go to a power move to the edge, or is the fullback going to come out and maybe catch a flat pass to the other side because he's drawing extra attention from the safety who's going to be looking over at Ingram on the left or the right side, whatever the case may be. There are so many more options that you can use out of that formation I love the call because the call indicates he has an idea of of the basic football strategies that you can use to cause a defensive coordinator headaches. I love it. Great call. From a fundamental perspective, Chris, I'm a big fan, and I think we see NFL offenses do this a lot. First down, big personnel, and you pass out of big personnel. I think that's something that allows you to create the type of mismatches that you're talking about because, as to Paul's point, you're going to get teams into base, in, in base defenses with three linebackers on the field. And these guys aren't going to want to cover. So if you run play action out of that, and you even if you only send you know, three guys into a route and you only have a three-man route concept on that specific oh, play, it, you're going to find the mismatch somewhere yeah. that's going to work on a cross or across the middle. If it's a zone, you know you get behind those linebackers on a, on a mid-to-deep cross. Um, if, you, if you get the linebacker down, the, if you get the tight end down the seam on a linebacker, F off the play-action pass, or if a safety comes up into the box to put eight men in the box against Saquon Barkley, and you get the tight end one-on-one down the seam with a single high safety, there's a million different things that can happen that makes that work. So yes, um, I think that's something that I look forward to seeing of more. Um, I think we saw that a decent amount at the end of 2018. We didn't see it nearly as much, I don't think, in 2019 when no. the Giants brought their offense back that year. And I, I would hope that that's something that this offensive coaching staff, and based on what they did in New England, I think they will bring that back at some point this Out of year. that formation, there's another really good play you could use, and it's a pass play. And by the way, Jason Garrett used that a lot in Dallas. Oh, big I know. people play action. Don so, Strady did. Mm-hmm. What if, what if I told you Giants had fullback X and, and Barkley out of the eye, right? And then what you have, you're going to take, let's say you take Ingram, when you break the huddle, you put him in slot, slot left. Now, you hike the ball. You've, you've got Ingram running a route. You've got Barkley coming out of the backfield, running to the opposite side in the flat. Now your outside linebacker's got a big problem because yep. you've got one guy on Ingram, 
One guy on Barkley, first of all, that's a significant issue for that defense. They got a huge headache right there. Because you got two options for Daniel Jones to hit. And the fullback stays home if he's going to be the extra pass pro the pass guy. pass pro, yeah. Because mm-hmm. now if they're sending a, an extra pressure guy, you got the fullback to help keep Daniel Jones upright so that he can take the time to pick out the open guy. Hey, look. I love it, baby. Let's go. We talk about this all the time. The, the key to your passing game is simple, all right? Again, zone, you either got to flood zones, so there's too many guys in that area that you can cover. It's a, it's a, it's a numbers game. That's how you beat a zone defense, right? You find mm-hmm. the holes in the zone by putting numbers there. Sure. But if teams play man-to-man, it's about setting up mismatches. NFL is all about setting up matchups that work for you. And your example right there is a perfect example of how you go about setting up mismatches. So I'm with you. Chris, I think that was a good call, and I think it was a nice change of pace. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to, I believe, Don in Texas has been holding the longest. Hey, Don. Hey, John. AP Don. Hello. What's up, bud? Somebody get Pete out of helmet. He's pretty amped right now. I love it. <laughs> I know. He's fired up. <laughs> I think I'm going to fly to Indianapolis without the plane. <laughs> Sounds like it. All right. I'm going to have to throw him out of the my... plane if he keeps acting this way. <laughs> before I get into my two questions, John, I want to say thank you for recommending the HBO show with uh, Saban and Belichick. Oh, it was and awesome. The and the interview with Pat Kerwin, first with Saban and Belichick. Whoa, that was an awesome documentary. That was great stuff just to watch these dudes. just It's like watching two artists in the same room the way they were and how down to earth they were and their expectation was so basic and just how regular these dudes are. That was just an amazing show to watch. Oh, they're yeah. not regular. They're special. No, <laughs> they are very time. special. Big time. Yeah, big time. And then the Pat Kerwin interview, boy, that, that was really insightful, John, just listening to that interview with yeah, him. That was great. Yeah, good stuff. And before, and I got two questions. Guys. And by the way, if you just real quick, Don, I want to tell the fans out there uh, that interview with Pat Corwin. You can find it on the Giants Little Podcast, which is on a separate podcast we put out there. But just search for it. It's on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app. Go to Giants.com slash podcast or just search for Giants Huddle on any of your podcast platforms. And just go to the Giants Huddle archive. It's in there. Make sure you check it out. Go ahead, Kerr, Don. Kerwin's yeah. the best, man. Just yeah, the best. Something, something tells me that dude's so connected far more than we know. Just listening to him. Oh, sure yeah. he is. Yeah, and then for my two questions, guys, both of them are like pertaining to Gettleman. So uh, they're both questions for what he should be doing here, what, what your opinion, what do you think is going to happen. So mm-hmm. my first question is, what position can't he mess up in free agency? He has to get it right. My opinion on that is linebacker. Good question. Good question. <sighs> well, see, I'm, I'm going to answer your question differently. The Giants are five significant players away, approximately five. You want to argue one or two more? significant players away who are going to get important, significant snaps this season, okay? They've got to get five guys, whether it's free agency or draft, that are going to be a big part of this team this year if they want to be a playoff team. How about this? I'll put it this way. So, you know, how many can they miss? Well, if he misses free agents, he better come up with five guys out of the draft. And, and Don, and, and, and Don, I'm going to keep this really simple for you, and it's hard for me to pick out a position. It's whoever you invest the most assets in. You only have a limited number of assets. If you're going to put a lot of assets into a player, you better get that player right, whether it's a linebacker, pass rusher, cornerback, uh, offensive tackle, whatever. If you put a lot of resources into a player that really limits your flexibility from a cap perspective, Mm -hmm. you better get that player right. 
I agree with you. And and just based on, you know, it's hard to judge him in the first two years during the free agency. And the reason is he was dealt a hand that he had to play with without a lot of chips to play with. So you had to give him some time to do it. This is the year where I feel he cannot mess up a free agency. Now, you're not going to hit on all of them. But you can't mess up on one, and I, I think our biggest need is middle linebacker if you're going to go into free agency. Because if you look at his history, he replenishes through the draft with corners and tackles. So that leads to my next question. His, based on his history, I, uh, if I'm wrong, please correct me, gentlemen. I've never seen Dave Gettleman draft a tackle in the first round. That is correct. Dur- mm-hmm. during that is his, correct. Dur- during his tenure. So my, my question here is, based on his history, plus the new regime, um, what do you think they're going to do if they stay put at four, if the talent, the grading, and the need match up? I say it's going to be Derek Brown. That's what I called about yesterday, John. I'll take your answer off the air, Scott. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. Look, Derek Brown's an excellent player. Um, I, I don't know if you're going to go another def- defensive tackle that high again. Uh, that's a lot of resources into one position. But they might. Who knows? He's a he's a, he, he's an excellent player. You know, I wouldn't put too much into him not selecting a tackle in a first round before, only because what we've spoken about prior, Paul, is that there just haven't been that many great offensive tackles available mm-hmm. in the first round of a lot of these drafts. And I think a lot of times those players get overdrafted because there are so few of them. So mm-hmm. you sometimes have to pick a second-round tackle 15th overall because that's your only chance to get one. And I don't think that's what Dave Gettleman's going to do. I, that's generally not what he does. You know, you could talk about how he values positions and things like that, but he generally does like to take the player that he thinks is the most talented and the best. So if he thinks that's an offensive tackle, he's going to take that offensive tackle. But if he thinks that's a pass rusher or, or a linebacker, I think he'll go in that direction. I think Dave will do his best to stick to his board, and whatever guy he thinks is going to be the best player, that's the guy he's going to select. I'm going to make two comments off the call. The first comment is about the middle linebacker. Uh, Dave Gettleman was the guy who first identified Antonio Pierce from the Redskins when they signed him as a free agent. And, of course, Pierce became not only a Pro Bowl player for the Giants, but a key member of that Super Bowl defense in 2007. So when he got here, Pierce was not thought of as just another guy. And what happened? I mean, didn't he make make a Pro Bowl with Washington? He did not. He did not. He had one season as a uh, as a starter where he he had made some significant tackles, but he was not at all considered a high profile free agent when he came to the Giants. And so, you know, Dave certainly understands uh, the uh, importance. Yeah, he had 114 mm-hmm. tackles in 2004. His mm-hmm. final year with Washington that was his only starting year with the Redskins. But correct. He was not in even Pro Bowl conversation. No, that he wasn't. Year. That's correct. Yes. So when the Giants signed him, it was like, oh yeah, okay, they got a guy who they think is going to start in the middle, and he had a lot of tackles, and that's all people thought about. They didn't realize he was going to be the heart and soul of that defense. Right. So understand that Dave is going to be looking for guys, I'm sure, in free agency because he doesn't want to have to spend $15, $16 million on two or three different players. He's going to want to see if he can find a value like that, a a young veteran who maybe has only started a year that he thinks has his best years ahead of him, which is why he made the trade for Leonard Williams. I, I digress, though. Let me go back to the other thought about the tackles. He has... A franchise quarterback. 
he made it clear to everybody last year that if he could get the Giants a franchise quarterback like Ernie Acorsi did, that would be his gift to this organization. Well, he got that guy. Don't you think he's going to want to do everything he can to keep him healthy and to give him the best chance to succeed? He's already given him a premier Hall of Fame caliber running back. He's already given him some quality targets at the receiving spot, or should I say by re-signing Shepard and by bringing in Golden Tate and by you know holding on to Evan Ingram when some people last year wanted the Giants to trade him before he got hurt. So what's left? Reinforcing the offensive line. That's the only thing left he has to do to give this kid a chance to become Eli 2.0. So understand that. It's going to be a very big part of his equation and when if, he looks for a player. And if you go back and you take a look at what he did when he was pro personnel director here, I mean, they signed a linebacker to a, you know, Pierce's contract was decent less size. It wasn't huge, but it was, it was a decent contract. They signed Cream McKenzie to a big-time contract, offensive tackle. They signed Plasco Burris to a big-time contract, wide receiver. Chris Canty, defensive line. Michael Boley, linebacker, entro role, safety. So... If he finds the right player, the position's not that important. He's going to go out and, and give the guy uh, at a value that he likes. So that's kind of how I look at it. You know what I mean, Paul? Well, let's put it this way. In 2000, when the Giants went to the Super Bowl with Kerry Collins as quarterback, remember they had gotten Kerry. Ernie, of course, he was the GM. Dave was the pro personnel director. Okay? What did Dave Gettleman do after the 1999 season? The Giants did not have an offensive line worth diddly. And what did he do? He went out, and in one swoop, he had the Giants sign left tackle Lomas Brown, guard Glenn Parker, center Dusty Ziegler. In one swoop, they signed three offensive linemen, and that year the Giants immediately went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Baltimore Ravens. In one swoop, three offensive linemen, boom, 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 Giants go to the Super Bowl. So Dave understands that you need, you need, to support that quarterback with guys up front. I that's why I'm I'm really leaning towards the offensive tackle at four above any other position. I'm sorry. And I appreciate Okuda. I appreciate Simmons. I even appreciate Chase Young. But I'm still leaning towards offensive tackle at number four. Done. <laughs> All right, Paul done on February twentieth. <laughs> Four days before the combine even commences in Indianapolis. All right, I got three calls on the line. Uh, we start a little bit late, so we'll go a little bit late. We'll take all three callers, so hang on the line. I promise we'll get to you. Len in Columbia, Maryland has been holding the longest. Hey, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's up, bud? Hi, Len. Good, good, good. I'll try. I'll try to. I'll try to make it quick. No, you're fine. One of the most fresh. Uh, one of the most frustrating things for me about the combine. Is there so many good players there that we're not going to get? <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you want them all. You want. I mean, you want them all. It's just frustrating it's to see all that all that talent uh, out there that you know, are not going to not going to come our way. Hey, just let, let me mention a name. Nobody's mentioned this guy before. We're not going to draft him. It's just not going to fit right. But he is going to be a great NFL player. Is that linebacker from Oklahoma, Murray? Oh, Patrick Murray, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness! If the field, if they widen the field to 60 yards he, he, he'll make every tackle anyway well Len I got a question I mean, well, well, Len why do you think he would be out of the question for the Giants in day two? Oh, oh, well I think he's going first round 
maybe oh, not. Oh yeah, maybe not. This, oh yeah, yeah. He's not getting past the Ravens. <laughs> he's not, he's not, Good point. He's not getting past. Good point. He's not getting past the Ravens. No, he's not going to get past. Fair him. enough. He's a first round guy, but I mean oh. that's that's the kind of guy you look at it and you say, oh man, we need him, but we're you know we're not going to get him. I got you. Hey, this the, my my next statement falls under the heading of do your homework, guys. Not necessarily you, but our scouts and and Dave in particular. And, 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 of course, the coaches. Um, we got two picks in the first 36. It's likely we're going to have eight picks when, the comp, when our comp picks come out. We're going to have eight picks in the last 150. Uh, th- there's going to be talent there. And, uh, you know, com- coming off 3-13 and 13 and 5-11, and 11, um, we ought to be able to find 10 guys who can make this roster next year. You mean somebody like and, a Darius and, and Slayton, some... who was in the fifth round this past year? Right? Yeah. I mean, you can find them. You can find them. You can find them, and I think you can find them. You can find them in the sixth and the seventh. We found Ballantyne in the sixth, who I take it you guys think is really a boundary player, and it's not... Is not the is not the slot corner we're looking for. I mean, Len, he he would, he would have to develop into that guy. He never did it in college. He struggled with it in the last year. Yeah. Is it impossible for yeah. him to become that guy? No. Right. But has he shown yeah. anything to make us think he's that guy? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right now, that yeah. is a very big question mark. But I do think he's a good player. Oh, I think he's a good player. I'm I'm glad we got him. I I mean, you need three or four of those guys. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the injuries and. And I know I mentioned this yesterday. You know, our, our corners, geez, uh, uh, you, you know, Beal and Baker. I mean, they're around 180 pounds. Some of these, uh, some of these wide receivers are going to be four and five inches taller and outweigh them by 40, 45 pounds. I mean, you know, Claypool from Notre Dame. Um, see, I think he's going to have a great combine. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Don't don't laugh at me when I say this, but I'd I'd look. I think it's going to. I, I think our number two pick at 36, I think this guy's going to look good enough. Ooh, I think that's a little I early, Len. I think it's a little uh, early. All right, all right. All right. Let's, let, you know, we'll, we'll a uh, long way to see go. what happens. Yep, absolutely. Uh, John, John, one other, one, one point. Um, uh, earlier in the show, yes. you, you, seem to th- you seem to think that if Akuda is there, he's not our guy. Um, no, I don't know that. Um, I, okay, I, I don't I know that. I, heard for, you, no. I, heard you, I thought I heard you allude to the fact that you'd go somewhere else. If oh, well, no, I, I was more trying to predict if the Lions traded down the chance that Okuda is there. And in that scenario, I was just surmising that the Giants would take an offensive lineman, which the Lions wouldn't want, which would drive Okuda further down the board. I would definitely consider Okuda in the mix if he's there, for sure. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, that size... Oh man, you know, uh, six one two oh five. I mean, geez, that's just perfect. I mean, you know, really, really, and and of course, he's a good player too. Um, listen, have fun next week. Yeah, we Looking will. Forward to your reports and um, have a nice day. Thanks you for too, taking Len. my call. You too, Len. And feel free to give us a call next week if you want. We'd love to have you on from uh, from Indy. All right, let's go to Neil in New York, and then Phil will be last. Neil, what's up? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing Hi. great, Neil. What's up? <clears throat> Um, I got uh, just I'm curious about the second pick. Sure. Um, you know, every year there's <clears throat> certain guys you get surprised in the first round. And, um, you know, some guys that are projected in the first round are going to be available in the second round. If, if we went with an offensive lineman, who would you like to see us target 
you know, and I'm talking like late guys projected in the late first round, you know, into the early second round. There's a lot of good players. Uh, you guys got your eye on anybody? For offensive linemen you're talking about, specifically? No, no. Let's say we take an offensive line. Oh, okay, I got you. Four, and now what's our – I mean, there's really good ones. See, there's good guys at every position. Zach Bond, an edge rusher out of Wisconsin. You know, there's a lot – what do you guys think they would address next after offensive line? I'll take it off there. Okay, I appreciate it, Neil. Thank you very much for the call. I think it's the same type of positions we've talked about before. Will there be a off-ball linebacker that might be a, a guy that can help you at the top of the second round? Um, defensive yeah. back, I think, is in the mix there. Paul, would be think, are you thinking wide receiver round two or are you waiting? I'd like to wait till round three. I'm with you. Or maybe top of his number. The Giants third and fourth round picks, assuming they get that compensatory pick, which is still not guaranteed, right. by the way. They'll be close. They'll be only they'll be less than ten so they'll be only six or seven selections away. So yeah. that's kind of the same type of range. So I think an off ball linebacker, pass rusher, um I think those are the two spots you're probably looking at, Paul. Yeah, and I or, would agree. Or defensive back. I think you're looking at a defensive player. Yeah, I, I would agree with John on that one. And quite honestly, it may come down to if they see an, an edge rusher and they see a corner, it may be who provides the most value at either one of those positions, and then you just take the higher guy on the board. Or do you also look at one or two rounds later, better chance of finding a cornerback or a pass rusher? If all is equal, if one position is much deeper than the other, yeah, you could get the position that you're not going to be able to get later. I still think they would just go for the higher guy. But, I think, but but you're right. If that's an option, I'm a, it's an option. I was going under the the surmising that the two players would have equal grades, and that would be a tiebreaker. If one player is significantly better than the other, yes, you yeah. obviously take the better player. No yeah. question about it. All right, let's uh, fill North Carolina. We'll wrap us up today. Hey, Phil. Hey, guys, I'm batting uh, cleanup today. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you, I always got stuck in the fifth or sixth batting order, so I, I feel good. Today. You got upgraded. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two things real quick. I know it's the end. The, the, uh, if I don't want to tackle it for unless we trade down, which would mean that that would be two things Dave never did. Uh, <laughs> drafting an offensive tackle. That's a good point. Drafting an offensive tackle and trading down. I, I think my head would explode. Uh, yeah, and uh, imagine this though: draft uh, uh, going drafting down and picking a linebacker number one since first time in 1984. How about that? Um, so, so besides my comments here, yesterday was I enjoyed the. I always enjoy the spirited debates and. Uh, and, and Paul, you got in with uh, Carlos from Astoria. Yeah, and, uh, he did. And, and, yeah, yeah, and I always appreciate the, the the discourse. And and I think if I was to sum up my my uh, uh, being slightly upset about the Leonard Williams trade, still is that it's not just the draft picks because if you can swap for the third, uh, you know, and I would, I'm fine with that. It's the combination of paying something over 10 million, over 10 million plus and the draft pick, both of those. The combination is a killer, I feel. So, so I just wanted to get, you know, I know Paul's had time to digest it some more, and, and John, you're new, new to that uh, discourse. I just wanted to get your, your opinions on that. Thank you, Phil. Any follow-up on that, Paul, from yesterday? 
No, not really. I mean, I think the, the only other point about the Williams trade, which I've said before, and I know we're on opposite sides of the fence, but we agree to disagree on this. It's, it's not like we have a point of contention. Well, well I simply see both sides that, of the issue. And, and, and to Dave's point, you know, you gave up value. And he said this at his postseason press conference yes. where, yeah, look, I, I understand that I gave up a, a third-round pick, which is a valuable Kamani, and then either a fourth or a fifth, depending yeah. what happens, for Williams. And, and he said, look, it was a high price I get. It's just a matter of whether or not you think that price is worth the bang for the buck that you get. Right. And, and there's no reason to rehash all the reasons for, that I gave yesterday, but an additional reason why I do think that the pick uh, is on the po- or the trade is on the positive side is because I know that Dave was taking also an educated gamble understanding that because of the laws of the compensatory picks, understanding that Landon Collins had left last year, and he was in all likelihood getting a third-rounder back in the compensatory formula, it's not like he's going to be void of a third-round pick by trading his pick to the Jets. Yes, he's getting one very low. There's no doubt. It'll be he's know, dropping, 27, 8 picks later, whatever right. it is. Yeah. He's dropping a heck of a lot lower in the third round, mm-hmm. but he's not void of a third-round pick. I wonder, and this is a fair question to ask, I have not talked to Dave about it, had he not considered the fact that he would have been getting a third-round compensatory pick back, would he have been as willing to deal his third-rounder in a Leonard Williams trade? The answer may have been no. He may have been much more reluctant to do so. But I certainly, for me, if I were involved in, in in his shoes, I would have taken that into account and said, yeah, you know what? I know I'm getting a third rounder back. It's going to be late, but I'm going to get one back. And that would further entice me to make the deal in addition to all the reasons that I gave yesterday. Hey, look, and I've, I've said this from the beginning. The reason you pay that price, and Dave made this point at his postseason press conference, is to get access to Williams. Mm-hmm. Because Williams was going to be traded. The Jets were not going to not trade that player. Correct. Okay? So someone was going to get the rights to him. And odds are, once you make the trade, and we've had this conversation about the Giants, right? You're not going to let him walk. So you're probably going to franchise tag him, right? So or if, transition. Or whatever the case what might be. Which is what I think be. it's more likely to Fine. be. Fine. Whatever the case might be. But if you let another team do that, you don't get access to the player. You're not going to get access to the player. It's going to be very difficult to, to go out and sign that player if he has a tag on him. Is it possible? Sure. It gets a lot harder. So you make that trade to get access to the player. And he felt the player was good enough and important enough to give up that commodity to get access to that specific player, which if you don't make the trade, there's a really good chance you're not going to get access to him in free agency. So that's why you make the deal. Again, you can make the argument whether or not that's worth the bang for the buck. That's a fine debate. And Dave talked about both sides of that argument in his Mm -hmm. postseason press conference too. Mm -hmm. And that's an argument where Paul and I have had that debate too. So, that's kind of where we're at. He is 25, by the way. He's yeah, not 29 he's, he's a, or 30. And look, he's he, 25. He's a good player. There's no one. Leonard Williams is a good football player. He's a he's gonna help so, he's gonna help you win football games. He's a very good football player. He is. Anyway. So that's kind of where you are on that. Paul, good stuff. Yeah, it was a fun show. You will next see us next Tuesday, live in Indianapolis at the Combine. And again, live shows. Tuesday, 1 to 3, Wednesday through Friday, 12 to 2, a bevy of guests, your calls, and your tweets at hashtag GiantsChat. It'll be Lance and Fiegels tomorrow and Monday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. They'll do calls tomorrow. No calls on Monday. That'll be a pre-recorded show because we're taking all the gear with us out to Indy. So they can be in this room talking, just no one's going to be recording it or sending it out to you folks, which they might do because Lance loves to hear himself talk. Anyway, for Paul Dottino, I'm John Schmuck. It was all brought to you by Coors Light as I take the shot out the door. 
Mountain Cold Refreshment Mate to Chill. Thank you to Artemis for taking the calls today. We'll see you tomorrow on Giants.com. Everybody have a good one.